Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. How awesome is that? I love all those videos. We got kids on weed whackers and people winking at 70th birthday parties. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our little super, uh, superhero, Eli, who we're, uh, a lot of us are praying for. <laughs> Eli and June and Chris and Rachel, if you're watching, we love you. We're praying for you. Thanks for being a part of that. You're part of Community of Hope. You are Community of Hope. Grateful for all of that. Hey, um, man, before we jump into today's message, can we honor the worship team for leading us in that? Good night. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Keith. And your team, oh my goodness, I needed that. If I can't preach after that, I need to go sell vacuum cleaners. So that's my thing. So anyway, I'm really glad to be here with everybody here today. I have the privilege of closing out our series that we've been in. I am Community of Hope. I was almost not here today because as some of you may know, my wife is very nine months pregnant. And yeah, we had a scare on Monday where it looked like she might be going into labor, and we had a very busy week here at church, and so we had contingency plans B, C, and D. All of them failed, and by God's grace, I don't have a baby yet this morning, and I get to be here, so that's great. So we all be praying for me and my wife, Leah, very soon, any day now, we're going to be having a baby. Thank you, yeah. Thank you, so please be praying for us. We'll really appreciate that. No, really, pray, pray, pray. <laughs> so we're excited. Uh, we're excited about that. So it's been, um, it's been a great week here at Community of Hope, and it's been a great week at my house. Uh, they were here in the 9 o'clock service. My in-laws were actually in town, and I'm sorry. My in-laws are better than your in-laws. They just are. I won the in-law Olympics. My in-laws are fantastic. Paul and Celinda Wright, I love it when they come, when uh, they spend time with us, when they spend time with our kids. We have a great time together. It's fantastic. Now, let me tell you about my in-laws just a little bit. One of the reasons that I love it when they come, not only are they uh, great parents to Leah, uh, great parents-in-law to me, great grandparents to my kids, I love it when they come because Leah's father-in-law, Paul, gives me presents sometimes. (laughs) He does. The man loves me, and I love him. Uh, When I first started dating Leah, Leah was the first daughter. They have three daughters. Leah was the first one to get married. So he uh, lived in a sorority for all these years. And so when another guy came around, what he did not do was pull me aside and be like, if you hurt my daughter, I'll kill you. They'll never find the body. You know, he didn't do any of that stuff. Honest to goodness, what he did with me, he didn't give me the talk. When I started dating with Leah, he met with me one-on-one. Kid you not, this is what he did. (sighs) Good luck. (laughs) Can't make it up. Can't make it up. This is actually what happened. And so um, I love him. He loves me. He's just got a heart of gold. So he occasionally buys me presents because I was the first son-in-law in in the family, and um, he's just enveloped me into the family. Now, one of the things that he does, sometimes I get a rectangle. I'll get a rectangle with wrapping paper on it, and I know exactly what's inside of it. He's trying to take care of me. Because Leah's whole family, nobody in their house has any chocolate in the house anywhere. They don't like it. Can you believe that? I know. Now, before we all gasp and judge them, (laughs) half of them, if they eat chocolate, they would get migraines. So it's like a dietary thing. So they would, but they can't. They all have dish. They like fruity desserts rather than chocolatey desserts, whatever. And so me, if you cut me, chocolate comes out of my veins. 
And so, yep. So, I mean, I, it's like, it's going to be a problem if I can't have some chocolate. So he'll give me a rectangle of wrapped stuff, and I know exactly what it is. So I'll rip the paper, and it's my own family-sized package of Oreos, baby. That's right. Just the way I like it. The man knows how to take care of his son, and he does that. Here's another type of present that Paul buys me. Every year for Christmas, Paul buys me tools, okay? Now, he buys me tools. Now, some of you go, well, that's a good man gift. Well, he's doing that because he knows me. Now, this may be a shock to some of you, not to those who know me well, but I'm not necessarily, how do you put this, the handiest guy in the world. I can't really build stuff. I'm not really great at fixing stuff. I mean, I have YouTube. That's about it. And Paul knows whenever he comes, he also helps me fix things. It gets things in alignment with stuff because I have no clue how to do any of that stuff. And he buys me tools because I often don't have the tools to do the jobs that I need to do. That's just not my thing. There are other manly things I can do. Like I can grow a real strong beard. Many of you didn't. You might not know this. Um, I actually was clean shaven this morning. I grew this in half an hour. So I got some man skills in other areas, but as far as like fixing stuff and being handy, it's just not my thing. In fact, uh, usually if I try to fix something in my house, that usually ends up with me in the garage trying to do something that I don't have the right tools for. I'm getting frustrated. Then my wife, Leah, comes out into the garage and she watches for a little bit and then wants to chime in and give me advice on what I should be doing instead of what I'm currently doing. And I always handle that really well. especially when I'm frustrated. So then I have to go end up fixing my relationship with Leah and the thing I'm trying to fix in the garage. So he buys me tools because nothing is more frustrating than trying to build or fix something if you don't have the tools to do it, right? Right? It is so frustrating. If you don't have the tools to do the job at hand, man, that's hard. It's frustrating. This is what we're talking about today in our final message for I Am Community of Hope. We're going to get super practical. We're going to give you tools to do the job at hand because we're talking about all this wonderful aspirational stuff for the past three weeks. If you don't have the practical tools to get the job done, it could be frustrating. So I'm going to give you tools today. So here's where we've been the past couple of weeks for I Am Community of Hope. Our theme verse has been Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. We're going to put it on the screen. We're going to read it out loud all together and everybody online too. Ready? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus's final words before he ascended into heaven that he gave to his first followers. This is often known as the Great Commission. And we talked a couple weeks ago, this is not just the Great Commission. This is your commission. This is my commission. This is the commission of every person who has identified themselves as a follower of Jesus to go and make disciples of him. This is what we're getting at with this series. Who is Community of Hope? Is it Pastor Dale and Beth? They started the church in their living room. Is it them? Is it me and Leah because I get to be on stage and my wife Leah gets to be on stage? Is it Keith and his team? Is it any of those? No, you are community of hope. You are community of hope. Everyone say that with me. I am community of hope. You are. You are community of hope. Now, the past couple weeks, Pastor Dale has talked about the unique culture that we've tried to build here of how we understand how to approach 
that commission. We talked about how we believe with all of our heart and souls that it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Not an angry cosmic being with a red button where he's hitting the smite button, dropping pianos on people because he's mad at them. It's the kindness in the eyes of Jesus that draws people to him. And when people catch that infection in their heart, when they envelop the kindness of Jesus into themselves and they share that with other people, that's what we think interest disinterested people. Kindness leads people to the Father, leads people back to God. We talked last week about Nehemiah. Uh, and the, Dale preached from that, and what he talked about was how spiritual maturity really develops, not when you just become a satisfied customer in Jesus, but eventually when you begin to see the world the way that Jesus sees the world. And when you begin to see people the way that Jesus sees people, when you begin to see the church as the way that Jesus sees the church, and how do we believe Jesus sees the church? Guys, this is not a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners which is good because I need healing in my life because I'm a sinner. I'm one of them, and I need what Jesus offers. Don't you? When we begin to see the world and people in the church the way that Jesus sees it, that's when we can really lean and get in on the mission with him. And so we're talking about our final message for today in I Am Community of Hope. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up, or your app, the CUH app. You can go ahead and open it now if you haven't already. And our final passage we're going to look at today comes from the letter the book of the New Testament. It's a letter. It's called 1 Peter. And we're only going to read one verse today. We usually read a good chunk or section of scripture, but just for today, we're only reading one supercharged, super packed verse that we're going to dissect and unpack together here today. So this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And it says this here, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm, I remember this morning the prayer, I think it was of Jeremiah where he prayed to you that your word would be like a fire and that our hearts would be the wood it consumes. And so, Lord, we don't, we don't ask you that in some scary way around fire, but we know that we're praying about the living flame of love, your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you cause that to burn in our hearts and to lead us to yourself? that this wouldn't be a, a religious TED Talk, but this would be an encounter with your living word and your Holy Spirit. We open ourselves now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so let's talk for just a brief moment about what we just read. We always like to give a little bit of context, a little bit of background to passages of the Bible. We don't assume everybody knows about the Bible, so we give a little bit of teaching, a little bit of context. First uh, Peter is a letter that's written by its namesake, Peter, who I call the Apostle of the Perpetual Foot and Mouth Syndrome. Peter's the most relatable of the 12 disciples. Um, that's one of the reasons why I believe that the Bible is accurate and true, because there's no way, if you're part of the 12 disciples of Jesus, if you were making up the story, there's no way you would have written yourself with such a humanity in them and such uh, capacity for failure and shame. 
but yet showing such potential for the redemption and love of Jesus to pour itself out on a human life. If you're making up those stories, you don't make up what Peter did, right? It's just, he wrote it that way because it's actually what happened. I love that about him. Some letters in the New Testament are written, or excuse me, they're entitled a certain way because of who they're written to. So if it was written to the church in the city of Ephesus, it's Ephesians. The church is in Rome, Romans. The church in Galatia, Galatians. Some letters are written to a more broader group of people across the geographic region. Those are named after the author instead. So there's Peter, James, John, some of those things. And so we are in 1 Peter. Now, what's interesting about this passage is Peter's audience, the original audience, I should say, for this letter was a group of churches in a region called Asia Minor, which is kind of where modern-day Turkey is, to churches across many different cities and many different regions there. All these churches were under intense persecution for loving and believing in Jesus. They were having their property seized. Um, they were losing their way of life, their income. Many of them were even losing their very lives. And so if we're talking about how do we interest disinterested people in Jesus, could you be more disinterested if you're willing to kill people who follow Jesus, right? And so Peter is writing to a very disinterested context. Now, we don't, in America, live in a context of persecution, at least not yet. <laughs> um, we don't have that context. Uh, we don't live in Cuba, we don't live in Afghanistan. We don't live in China. We have amazing religious freedoms in this nation, and we should be grateful we get to live in this nation. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's not our context. But what we can learn from First Peter is, okay, how can followers of Jesus share about the hope that's found in him in an environment that might be intensely not interested in hearing about him? He gives a strategy in this one verse that we could totally apply to Palm Beach County as Peter applied it in first century Asia, Asia Minor. We're talking about strategy today, and this is the COH way of how we understand how we go about these things. So let's take a look. There's a couple of things I want to point out to you in this verse before we get to some tools. Notice this here first. Take, if you're taking notes, write this, some of this stuff down. Peter tells us that we need to live a questionable life. We need to live a questionable life. Notice here, going back to verse 15, he tells them, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, Peter is presupposing that we will live in such a different way that our neighbors, um, our, that our neighbors will ask us why we are the way that we are. Do you see that there? Say, so when they ask you, be ready to give an answer. He's supposing that we're going to live such a different way. People are going to ask you, what's different about you? Now, they shouldn't be asking, what's wrong with you? Not that, but what's, what is this about you? I was talking with my mom earlier this week. Hi, mom, if you're watching online. Um, I was talking with my mom earlier this week, not necessarily about this message. We're just having conversation. She talked about a family friend of ours when I was growing up. And this family friend of ours who uh, got looped into the life of our church where I was growing up that really just changed me and my family's um, eternities forever, she pulled my mom aside one day and said, okay, I have to know why you are the way that you are. I have to know this. Why are you the way that you are? Um, this friend struggled with negativity a lot, and my mom is a perpetually joyful, positive person. Now, my mom could say, well, it's just temperament. My mom could have said it was for a variety of reasons, that she married the man of her dreams and my dad. I mean, I don't know. 
she could have said all those things, but here's the truth of it. My mom had a tough life. My mom's dad died when she was eight, and her mom struggled to raise her. And there was a wonderful community around them, and the way that my grandmother survived and thrived and and raised my mom to be a healthy, wonderful person is because Jesus was at the center of their home and at the center of their lives. Jesus was everything. It was belief in Jesus that he's still with us in hard times and that he's at work in everything. He's not the author of the bad things, but he's at work even in the bad things to bring good. And all these frameworks around knowing Jesus personally and that he's at work and he's a loving and benevolent God in her life. My mom has always been a positive person because of these things. And so really, why are you the way that you are? Let me tell you about Jesus. She was able to give the reason for the hope that she had. This is what all of us are called to do. People should be able to ask you, why are you so and fill in the blank? Like, why are you so patient with that person at work that all the rest of us are annoyed with and can't stand? Why are you so compassionate and concerned about the poor and the marginalized in our area? Why does that even matter to you? Why do you live under your means so you can give resources away to people and projects and initiatives? Why not just use that for a boat or for a season ticket somewhere? Or why do you live differently like that? Why are you so loving? How come you don't freak out when everyone else is freaking out? How come you fill in the blank? We need to live in such a way where people will see that we're different because we are. In fact, Jesus said this here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. Check this out. Jesus said here, you are the light of the world. That's crazy. Jesus himself is the light of the world. And he looks at us and goes, no, you are the light of the world. You are community of hope. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. you got to live a questionable life. Live a life that will make people ask you, why do you have hope? So there's that. Here's what else we see with Peter's lifting up. He lifts up. The concept of gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Again, let's return to the passage, verse 15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So let me give a little disclaimer here. What I am not saying is, uh, let, me, let me rewind. Disclaimer. I believe what's called Christian apologetics is good. That's where people defend the faith, intellectually um, articulate the faith, or able to have ideological dialogue about the faith. They write books about it. They might have public debates about these things. All those things are good. I am not against any of them. Yay, apologetics. Nobody send me angry emails, okay? Do not do that. Do not do that. I would throw somebody else under the bus, but Dale throws me under the bus. I don't have another email to throw to another pastor down there to give it to them. Send it to Brandon at Community of Hope. There we go. Do that. Do that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is I don't know anybody who came to faith in Jesus because they lost an argument with a Christian. Can I just say it? By the way, I'm not sure how many people I know. Wait, let me check my notes. 
That's right. Zero people who came to faith in Jesus because of an online Facebook debate. Can I say it? Listen, this stuff doesn't win people to Jesus when we're jerks about it. We're called to do this with gentleness and respect. And the world is low on gentleness and respect right now. But in Jesus' name, we will be different. We will be different. So what does it mean to approach this topic and people who might believe differently than you with gentleness and respect? It kind of looks like this. Maybe you don't do all the talking. Maybe ask them questions. Maybe actually have a real conversation. Build the friendship before you're trying to win a disagreement. Maybe do that. Maybe do some of those things. Maybe don't try to force a conclusion. Maybe don't pressure people. Give people freedom. Trust that the Holy Spirit is more at work than you trying to force something to happen. Maybe people will listen to us more if we don't treat this like we're trying to sell them a car with a Jesus bumper sticker on it. We're trying to close the deal. Right? Gentleness and respect looks like this. If you give people freedom, they lean in. If you try to constrict people, they back out. Y'all, just treat somebody the way you want to be treated. Can we just do that? Gentleness and respect, right? And there's one more thing Peter shows us. One more thing. And he says that we should always be prepared. We should always be prepared. He says here in verse 15, one more time, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. I think part of the reason when people freak out when somebody like me on a microphone, on a stage, I've been professionally trained to this, I have a degree in this, and I'm telling all of you, you are a community of hope. I think it's easy for people to look at us and go, man, it's easy for you to say, dude, you do this for your living. I think people get nervous and they break out into cold sweats. Tell them, go tell your friends and family about Jesus. They break out in cold sweats kind of like I do when maybe making a flower box in my garage, hypothetically. (laughs) And it's because we just don't have tools. And so I'm here to help you not break out in cold sweats. But to go, now here's some practical tools for how to do the job at hand. Peter gives us the strategy, and now I'm going to give you three tools for how to how can you go about and do this. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I'm giving you a power drill right now to do some work. First thing you need to do is understand this. There's a before and after. Write this down. Tool number one, before, after, before, and after. You need to be able to tell your story and the difference that Jesus has made in your life as an individual. We can see this all over Scripture. In John chapter 9, verse 25, Jesus healed a man who had been blind since birth. And uh, after Jesus had healed him, people were offended that G- how Jesus had gone about it, which is really interesting and unique, you know, funny, right? Like somebody runs into a house that's on fire and saves people you know, coming out of it, and then people get mad for how somebody ran when carrying somebody out. It's just weird. Anyway, Jesus says here in John 9, or not Jesus, This man is being interrogated by the Pharisees. The people are mad at how Jesus healed. And this is this guy's response. He says, listen, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know about all this other stuff you're trying to tell me about. Here's the one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. It's the great line from the amazing hymn, Amazing Grace. 
I once was blind, but now I see. See, you need to be able to tell people. If you're a Christ follower already, there are people maybe here or online, you're navigating faith, or maybe it's been a while and you're re-navigating your faith in God. That's okay. I mean, but for those of us who are self-identifying as followers of Jesus, you need to be able to tell people what's the difference he's made in your life. What's the before and the after? I could tell you for me, it's easy. Uh, I, I grew up in the church. Now, just your before and after doesn't mean, that, mean you need to have a story of like you're a drug addict and you're in jail and you're in the mafia. And, you know, well, I mean, you don't need to have a crazy dramatic story. I grew up going to church. I grew up going to church. But here's my before and after. I hated going to church. Now look at me. <laughs> I hated going to church. Um, until my family uh, got involved in a local church where in Tampa, Florida, and Clearwater, where everything changed for us. When all of a sudden my dad, who was always a great man, became different. And there was something on him that I could feel. And I didn't know what it was. But whatever it was, I wanted it. And my mom had it too. And my brother went on a a student ministry missions trip and came back, and it was on him. Like, what is it? And whatever it is, somebody tell me how to get it because I can feel it, and it feels like the greatest thing I've ever felt in my life. What is it? And my brother, in the back of me and my parents, 1990-whatever, Honda Accord turned to me and said, Trevor, he's in seventh grade, I'm in fifth, said, Trevor, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. And I learned it was not an it, but a him, and it's the Spirit of Jesus. Where if you invite him to come live in your heart by faith, to forgive you of your sins, and to come dwell in your heart, and to follow him forever, that that same it the Spirit, Him, will come dwell inside of you. And I was just waiting for anybody to give me an opportunity. I'm like, somebody asked me to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to pull the trigger the very first time. Somebody, and it was on a, a trip after fifth grade, going into sixth grade. So kids, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm in. Let us finish the sentence, Trevor. Okay. And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ in the summer of 1995. And 26 years later, it's only gotten better. It's only gotten better. Jesus has fulfilled every longing and desire I've ever had in my heart because he's good and his presence is the greatest thing. The psalmist sings about, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, God. That's my before and after. You fulfilled the longings of my soul. What's your before and after? You don't need to spend 10 minutes. You could do it in two or three. I was like this, and then Jesus has begun to change things. Even if not everything's perfect yet, what's the before, what's the after? You can do that. That's tool one. Tool number two. Everyone say this with me. Good news. Bad news. Good news. Good news, bad news, good news. That is the message of Christianity. Maybe you not only need to be able to tell the difference that Jesus has made in your life, you need to be able to tell people, what is this Jesus movement? What is Christianity in the first place? And if you take a book like this and go, oh my gosh, how do I synthesize this? Let me give it to you. Good news, bad news, good news. It's as simple as that. It starts with good news. 
It starts with good news. It doesn't start with bad news. Christians think, oh, it starts with bad news that you're a sinner and Jesus has come to save you. I mean, is that kind of true, sort of, but that's not how the gospel starts. The gospel starts in Genesis chapter 1, not Genesis chapter 3. Here's how it all begins. Good news. God loves you. He's crazy about you. He made you in his image. God's thumbprint is on your heart. When God sees you, he sees a piece of himself. If God had a wallet, your picture would be inside of it. But nobody carries pictures inside of their wallets anymore. So when God pulls out his iPhone, because everybody knows he doesn't use Android, when... So when God pulls out his smartphone, it's your picture that's in the background. He's nuts about you and wants an eternal relationship with you and created you for eternal oneness with him. He's nuts about you. Good news, bad news, we all jacked it up. All of us. All of us, minus one person who we're going to get to in a moment, all of us, from Adam and Eve to all of us here today and all of us online, broke the moral law of God that's called sin. And that separated, as Dr. Vic Copan in our church tells us, it broke our peace with God and our relationship with God, and it broke our relationship with each other, and it broke our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with creation. Everything is fractured and broken and horrible in our world because of sin. And it's our fault. It's my fault. And it's your fault. And there's nothing we can do to fix it. Very bad news. But that's not how the story ends. Good news? Bad news what? The good news is Jesus came. The only sinless one from Adam and Eve till now. He's the only one. And came and died in my place and your place on a cross to forgive your sins and my sins and to heal the world of our brokenness. Not only to forgive, but to free us from the disease of sin in the first place so that you and I can be reconciled to God once again and to each other, to ourselves and to the world. And it's free, F-R-E-E. All you have to do is admit that you need it and receive it by faith and you can be reconciled to God and have eternal life with him starting now. Good news, bad news, good news, everybody. It's not hard. You can do it. I saw somebody do it Thursday night. It was Thursday was my son's ninth birthday, which is pretty cool. And uh, for his birthday present, um, I took Kate and Tessa to go see Dude Perfect in Orlando. Does anybody know who Dude Perfect is? If you're under 15, nobody knows. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so Dude Perfect, for those of you who don't know, it's one of the biggest channels on YouTube. They have 56 million subscribers. They have 13 billion views on YouTube. They're kind of a big deal. And they're such a big deal on YouTube. It's kind of good, clean, trick shot, sports tiny kind of stuff on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. And uh, they were in Orlando on my son's birthday. It's his favorite thing in the whole world. So I took my kids to go see Dude Perfect. It was a blast. Here's what it looks like from the floor for the show, which was great. I did not have floor tickets. That's okay. Here's a picture of us in our seats. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I want to point out something. That's my daughter chugging a 20-ounce Pepsi and my son downing pizza. Dad of the year, right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was 
awesome. Oh, so fun. They were like, this is the greatest night of our lives. They literally told me that. I'm like, yes, dad went. At the end of the night, at the end of the night, the guys came out, the five dudes, and said, hey, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, this is the official end of the show, but I'm, one of us is going to go get water real quick, and we'll be right out in just a sec if you want to stay. If you need to go, go ahead and go. But um, if you want to stay just for five minutes, you may or may not know this. Our faith is really important to us, and we would love to share with you about that if you want to stay. We got a sip of water, and their front man came back out. His name's Ty. And Ty started to tell everybody in the most natural, winsome way possible. He did it in four minutes and 30 seconds. He told everybody, listen, this is super fun. But I felt like, you know, you guys need to know all of us are Christians and our faith is really important to us. And I felt like God put on my heart that if we were going to come out here and share all over the country this very fun but temporary form of entertainment that I also need to share with you about the eternal joy of knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And Ty, he didn't say these words, but he did good news, bad news, good news. God loves you and he's crazy about you. You don't have to be defined by your failures. Jesus came to die to pay for all those, and you can have eternal joy in life with him beginning now. And he prayed, and he ended the night, and I said amen, and I'm sobbing in the middle of a Dude Perfect concert at the Amway Center. I'm sobbing. That was great. Kids, wasn't that awesome? And they were like, yeah, let's go get ice cream. Okay, let's go. (laughs) But if a guy on YouTube can do good news, bad news, good news. You and I can too, right? You can do this too. All right, last tool, and we're going to wrap up here. Good news, bad news, good news, before and after. And this one, hey, uh, like you can invite people. Everything we do here at Community of Hope is crafting experiences for you to invite your unchurched friends and family in an environment that's safe and warm and welcoming and not boring and fun, and we try not to be weird, I know, as best as we can, to make it so you could do this. Our kids' ministry, our groups, our, the marriage course, the pumpkin patch, we're sermon series, everything we do is for you to invite friends. We can partner with you. It's, you're not all on your own. I hope you'll go share with people, but bring them with you here. Let us partner with you in the Great Commission. In fact, this is why we handed these little cards to you if you're in person here. Go ahead and lift them up if you got them on the way in. And if you're online with us, if you give us your email, it's already in your mailbox. And if not, it's on the COH app and the sermon notes. This is called One by One. That's what we call the message today. This is how we believe we reach the world, is one person at a time. And on here, it's a prayer list. And for you to put five names of people who might be far from God in your life, that you can begin to pray for them, and then to practice everything we've talked about this past month. In fact, let me tell you a story real quick about a list. There's a guy named D.L. Moody who was a great evangelist in our nation. He's been dead a long time, died in 1899. But D.L. Moody famously had a list of names of people who were far from God in his life. He had 100 names of people he was praying for regularly, friends, families, neighbors, anybody who he knew who did not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he would pray for them. And every time one of them would give their life to Jesus, he would check their name off his list and he would keep praying for the rest. At the time of his funeral, D.L. Moody's list had 96 of the 100 names crossed off. He had prayed them into the kingdom. And at the funeral, the last four gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? 
There might be names on this list. We're going to play a song, and in the song, we're going to give you time to maybe put some names on your list. And because you put names on a list here today, now, and you invite God to begin to work in these people's lives, there might be people in eternity because of what you might do right here, right now, starting today. Who might be sitting with you in here a year from now? Who might be streaming with you a year from now? If you let God use you and say, Lord, use me. I am community of hope. Would you pray with me? So Spirit of Jesus, we pray that for those of us who identify as followers of you, that you would bring to our hearts and our minds even now, here in this room and online, names of people who are far from you, that you're longing for them to come home to you. Bring them to our mind now and give us your heart for them to pray for them as your grace is chasing after them even now. And Lord, we also pray for the person here or online where they're hearing all this and they're navigating faith in you. And Lord, maybe there's a person here today and they have this sheet of paper and it's their own name to put on the list to say, Jesus, I want to begin to follow you today. Would you pour out grace on that person's heart as well? Come Holy Spirit, search us and lead us in this time. It's in your name we pray and everyone said. The band's going to play. Pray and write some names. We'll sing together at the end. We didn't do this, we didn't do this in the earlier service, but we're going to do this and close our time here today. Um, I have this a crazy idea for me, or it might be God. I'm not sure. I want everyone to grab your cards, especially if you writ on them. You written, you wrote on them. And if you're online, maybe if you're writing in a journal, a sheet of paper, your phone, grab that too. And what I want us all to do is as a symbol of prayer, it's not magic. But it's a simple prayer. We, we hold up these names. Hold them up. Jesus of Nazareth, high priest of heaven, savior of the world, living hope, the first and the last, the bright and morning star. We lift up these names to you. You're the God who sees. Pour out your Holy Spirit's power and your abundant grace upon every name, either on paper or in hearts, in this room and online. And let your grace chase after all these people so that every last one of them would put their faith and hope and trust in you. They would know the eternal joy of knowing you as Lord. Would you do it? And Lord, use us in whatever way you please to accomplish that. We avail ourselves to you. Come, Holy Spirit, and move. Lord, we are the light of the world, as you've told us. And here in this little part of your vineyard, we are community of hope. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, go in God's peace. Be community of hope. We'll see you next week.